Master Plumbers Radio, bringing you all the stuff you won't learn in trade school. Welcome to another episode of Master Plumbers Radio. I'm your host, Daniel Carroll, and today I'm joined by a guest who's a highly respected amongst the Australian industrial design community, Dr. Steve Cummings. He's a renowned industrial designer and fellow of the Design Institute of Australia. He was inducted into the Design Institute of Australia's Hall of Fame in 2012 and since has held senior appointments in the bathroom product design industry and has had a long-standing participation in standards development in Australia and internationally since 1981. A pioneer in sustainable design and research, Dr Cummings has dedicated himself to developing products that minimise water consumption. He's recognised internationally as an authority in this field and is an associate of the Institute of Sustainable Futures and collaborates in Australia and internationally with universities, industry experts, governments and standards representatives. Uh, Steve, thanks for joining us on the show today. Good to be with you, Daniel. Uh, you've been involved in design for more than 40 years. How, how did it all start? Where, where did you get your start in uh, the industry? I started the industry uh, in uh, 1976, where I joined Dalton, Australia, uh, in designing sanitary wear. Um, I was, became chief designer there uh, before I moved on to Karoma, who took, took over Dalton. As a someone that uh, is interested in design myself, I can't imagine uh, being a designer in a world where there's no computers <laughs> to help out with what you're doing. Tell us about what it was like in the early days of being a designer with uh, with so much uh, of the technology we have we take for granted now not being available. In the early days, it was more 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 sketching and communication through sketching and drawings. Yep. Uh, when I look back, uh, we had drawing boards. We had a whole team of people working on drawing boards. Yep. Uh, there was no such thing as mobile phones or, uh, or, or computers. That's when we first started. No email, so I can imagine no emails, their communication um, would have been a bit tough. I remember the telexes used to come in overnight, so that was communication with the outside world, okay. <clears throat> apart from the, tele- the telephone. Okay. Yeah, it was quite it was interesting, but we may do do then, but uh, it's far more sophisticated and um, um, productive now than it used to be then. Um, tell us about some of the early projects you were involved with. Well, some of the key projects that, that I worked on early was uh, just developing toilets, uh, making, making them uh, more consumer-friendly, yeah. Uh, when I got there, uh, the products were pretty basic, pretty the basic toilet pan with an exposed trap. Uh, we had some movement to concealed traps at that time, and that was uh, in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, and I started to develop products then uh, that concealed the trap, made it look better, easy to clean, um, which really evolved right into what we've got now. So... As I touched on before, there's no doubt been significant development in the time since you started. Uh, what would be some of the challenges that you faced in that in that time from when you started, sort of going along your career? I think when I, when I started, uh, my expectations of what we should be doing uh, was limited by our capability of doing it, and that was in manufacturing. Okay. Uh, so, uh, in concurrently with. The development of what we were doing, we were then increasing our capacity to develop the products uh, that made us competitive internationally. And your currently your current position at uh, Chrome or GWA uh, is innovation director, and 
uh, just speaking earlier, you've, you've always specialised and focused on innovation. What does innovation as a concept mean to you? Innovation to me is something that's, that's new, uh, hasn't been done before. Uh, you can get variations on product design, but it's something where you can get IP. Uh, yeah. So you've got something that, that can protect that innovation uh, and it's seen as new in the marketplace as well. Okay. And you've been with GWA for 38 years now. How do you maintain your drive over such a long span? What's your, what's your secret? I think I think the changing the changing projects and, and and technology as we move into different areas. I think that's that's always a challenge. It's a learning process for me and the team. I think that keep, that keeps me going and uh, being able to get to make steps up up the ladder as far as uh, what you're doing is uh, very important and that keeps me going, keeps me mentally alert. Yeah, okay. Um, In the early 2000s, you received uh, a doctorate in environmental design from the University of Canberra. I'm going to assume that many of the people out there would not understand the significance of the design uh, just in the environment around us uh, to the point where most of us would probably take it for granted. Um, are you able to share a little bit about the importance of good design and how it influences the majority of what we experience in life? If I go back to the work we did originally on dual flush in uh, the early 80s when we released it, uh, we were flushing with 11, 11 litres, 11 litres of, for the full flush at that time. We made, dual fl- made it dual flushed, which made 11, five and a half. Then I went on a journey where uh, that was for the system where we started to look at the toilet pans uh, and what we could do there um, because the limitation on on the performance and the performance of the system was the pan. Yeah. Uh, you had the system that could drop the water but you had to actually do things in the pan so once you started reducing the water going into the pan then you had to really look at the pan design. Uh, in... 1993, we released the 6.3, which was a total redesign of the pan and system. So you essentially halve the water use just in one go. Just in one go, and it was only because we could we could change the pan. And when we changed the pan, we also started to get very interested. And the water utilities were very interested in the drainage system that we married it up with. So then I formed alliances with. Uh, the leaders in in, in um, uh, water conservation in the, the util- with the utilities, where we started to do developments, and then I I got very interested in the research and drain and particularly in drain line research and what happens with the waste in the drain lines, which uh, is vital. You just can't design a product and put on a system and, and it, while it might clear the waste, but it doesn't work in the, within the drain line system. So that that is not a not a good design. Okay. So from there, from, from 1993, we did further research where, until uh, 2004 where we developed the 4.5-3 litre flushing system. Again, a lot of work with the drain lines, a lot of work with field trials, extensive field trials across Australia uh, where we validated the system. And that required us to get to the next, next stage in, in uh, the development of the PAN. It was all to do with the PAN. Where we minimised all of the, all the critical areas of where the water was running, and how to make it more effective and flush the flush the um, the waste out of the, out of the um, out of the sump of the pan into the drain line system and through the drain line system into the main sewer system and without blockages. Yeah. So you're essentially starting with six two-liter milks 
of water uh, entering the system and of course that would cause the, the design of the system to be a certain shape and size. When, when you're coming to realise the new solution for what you're trying to do, are you already looking for the next or where it can go after that? Uh, so, you know, you, you're bringing it, you're essentially halving it in your first stage of the project. Are you already looking to see how much further you can reduce the uh, water use or is it sort of mainly focused around that one project for a little uh, bit of time? You're always looking into the future. Uh, but when you do these things, uh, you being an innovator, you, you have to make calls. And going back to the 6.3 system we developed, we had big tanks, and you probably see them around. They're still around, but yeah. not too many of them. Big tanks uh, with 11 litres of water in them. Yeah. When we moved to 6.3, we were able to reduce the, the volume by, well, the, the, the re- reduce the, the, the visual part of the system yeah. by half, virtually, yeah. which was a big shock to those that were used to looking at big systems all, all the time. Yeah. So we had a, a, a market thing at the time to deal with that yeah. uh, and while some were concerned about it uh, we took the risk and did that it's a massive risk for us to change all our tooling to systems that were half the size without any market no- much no- market knowledge of how they're going to go but going from early resistance to market acceptance with 12 months process and then yeah. and, there's, and if you looked at the big ones now you would never put them in yeah, but at the time there was some that thought oh, they they're not too bad. Yeah, and just thinking about the reduction in size, it, 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 there's been a big boom in renovations with you know the block and all those shows on TV, and everything's about aesthetics these days. Everything has to look nice. No one wants you use your bathroom quite a lot. Uh, no one wants to be walking in something that uh, looks quite ugly. And space is a uh, is a premium in many homes these days. So just thinking about the advantages of being able to reduce the system by half, we see the ability to have things like the systems that are built into the wall these days and, and um, you know, saves that um, a, a little bit more space. So it, it just going back to my point before about people taking design for granted, it just happens, it, but it doesn't. There's people behind the scenes like yourself that are thinking about ways we can do things better. So... In the end, everyone benefits. Yeah, we, I, I hope so. We put we put the effort into into um, that's the aim of what we're doing. Um, yeah, you mentioned um, in more systems. We we completely redid our in more systems around the time that uh, we changed to four and a half three. Yeah, and then we were able to consolidate the system size and the performance. Then where we came up with a whole totally new in more system. Yeah. Uh, and we work very closely with with plumbers on that, yeah. Because it's so plumbers, it's not an easy thing to install uh, um, yeah, in more sure. systems. So uh, we thought we'd work very closely with the plumbers, and uh, we came up with we have, we came up with the um, the Visi Two system. Yeah. So we're you're probably working on another project now to reduce that even further. Can you let us in on any any secrets on where it's headed, or what what, what can you expect to uh, happen there? Well, I just say there's always room to be more efficient, but yeah. uh, one thing that you've got to do is make sure that that has, as I said before, it, it doesn't adversely affect the the current system. Yeah. Uh, so any change would have you'd have to do the research. 
I've read online about the constant challenge of just what we've been talking about now to develop new product concepts that are at the forefront of industry and uh, on a global scale. Um, the dual flush toilet's a great example of the this evolutionary production. Can you share some of the experience in designing and developing a product that's constantly evolving? We we just spoke about how you're constantly looking to make it better and drive efficiencies. Um, do you ha- where do you where do you find your um, inspiration? I guess to drive these solutions is it. Uh, I guess there's a lot of science and mathematics behind it. Do you, do you have to go and uh, research internationally to see what uh, people are doing differently or does all of that thinking come locally? Thinking comes locally but it's influenced by what's going on overseas. Um, the latest evolution of the toilet pan for us was the, the clean flush where we we eliminated the rim on with the system okay. to make it easier to clean. And we did a lot of work on the flushing technology around that to make sure that we didn't lose the efficiency. Uh, we saw the trend coming um, from overseas, in Europe yeah. mainly. Okay. Uh, then we then we looked at what we could do to make it fit with our system and, and provide the flushing performance that would be expected. We didn't want to reduce the flushing performance yeah. of, the, of, the, of the product. So we sent a, a considerable amount of time in researching and getting the system operating correctly so that uh, it gives us the flush, similar flush uh, performance to what we've been used to. And I've seen a a few videos online about how the clean flush system works and would I be right in saying that the the difference between the evolution of the, the two systems is that the latest one has a the different shape of the pan, so it projects the water in a certain way to make up for, oh, I'm probably getting jumbled in my uh, science terminology now, but <laughs> the the shape of the pan contributes to the pressure of the water um, eliminating the waste. Is that is that right? Yeah, when, when, we, when we started looking at the, the uh, rimless technolo- technology, uh, it's critical with it, and I go back switch back to, to what we did with the um, four and a half, three development. We knew that you've only got a small amount of water, a small volume of water to use. Yeah. There was no room for error with, with four and a half, three. So if it went, if it moved away and didn't hit, hit in the right place, then there's no more water coming behind that. You've missed it. So it's not yeah. going to perform well. Mm. So what... What we looked at when when we started doing our early flushing trials with rimless technology, um, we noticed that because you didn't have the a, a closed rim that guides the water around the bowl, yeah, the water would swing from side to side, yeah, and that didn't give you the accuracy of flush that you needed to perform as required for a four and a half three system, yeah. the effective flush. So it's a lazy sort of flush. And also, and also, uh, being able to control that was it was up to the the production process because it, it was punching of holes in the back of the back of the pan. So how do we get around that? We did a lot of work and a lot of testing, um, and we form that's where we formed that splitter at the front front of the pan where we divided the flush. So we thought, well, we'd stop the water, we'd just stop it with that, so the water run around and both would meet in the centre. And that 
sounds easy, but it wasn't. We did hundreds of different iterations of that to get it just right. So it, it gives you a very similar flushing performance, if not better, yeah. than the rim rim type, which is a major achievement for us. Whereas others others didn't go to that extent where flushing and water conservation is really part of what we do and we want to make sure that what we came up with reflected that. It's interesting to hear the amount of work that goes into something that many people would consider so simple and take for granted, like the flushing of a toilet. Um, I'm sure that type of uh, effort and um, development goes into a lot of other products. Uh, are you able to tell us about some of the other things that you've uh, worked on? Obviously, the, with a toilet, you've got, for men, you've got a urinal. Yep. So a uh, lot of satisfaction out of working on urinals as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and being, being able to reduce the flushing um, volume of a urinal down to 0.8 in our cube okay. uh, from the standard two. Yep. So pretty significant um, reductions in water usage there. Yeah. Uh, not the same as what we've got out of the toilet, but I've got a uh, passion for your urinal design. And there's a, okay. they're quite complex when you start looking at them closely like, like I do. Okay. And we we talked earlier about um, some of the work you've done in disability care or aged care. Was that? Yeah. I, I look at the water conservation side of what, I, what I've been involved with, with the yeah. team. And the other part was a dedication to... Doing, making our products, um, bathroom products, better for disabled people and yeah. uh, aged people to use okay. where they've got some sort of disability and also uh, people that are rehabilitating from an injury. Yeah. Uh, I started very early with that and I did the first raised pan. Okay. The old days, the plumbers used to just build the, build the pan up with a bed, off cement ground, bed yeah. off the ground. Looked terrible. And that was the start of, okay, what, how can we make that better? So we just built built the pan to uh, be installed normally but provide the raised height that was required by the standard. Then I got involved in the standards for that as well. Yeah. Okay. And, and touching on the standards, the, the quality of the items that we're using in the construction industry is always in focus and more so in plumbing over the last few years with the introduction of the Watermark Scheme in Australia. Um, I believe you were part of the uh, the group uh, that was responsible for the implementation of that scheme. Um, how important is it that a scheme like this exists? I think I think for for products that can uh, affect the public health and safety of Australians, it really needs to be uh, regulated uh, and come under a, a, scheme, a scheme like the Watermark Scheme. Um, other other major uh, economies around the world have got got regulation to varying extent. Uh, some some highly regulated, some are not so much. Yeah. But I think it's just fundamental for the industry that we we've got a, a product that we can trust in with the watermark name on it. We know that it's been tested and developed correctly, yeah. uh, and uh, is meeting the requirements of uh, this for Australia. Um- Early in the year, I attended the launch of the Smart Command uh, product, a Karoma product that's described as an ecosystem of intelligent products that enable building managers to monitor water use in real real time and make smarter decisions that reduce maintenance costs while improving hygiene and uptime. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about how that project came about and how it works? Sure. Uh, It was around around six years ago down, down here in Melbourne. Uh, we had an issue, uh, maintenance issue on a project, uh, a key project in Melbourne. 
and I was working with a hydraulic engineer on it just to see where, where the issues were and what it required us to do was take Uranus off the, off the wall. Uh, and in a building where you've got a lot of them, it's not a great job. So mm. when you take it off, you've got Uranus and, uh, and plumbers that know this. You get sewer gas, uh, water and urine on the floor, close the bathrooms off as, as you're doing the work. Uh, not pleasant and uh, very time-consuming. Uh, what we were trying to do is, is verify what the flushing volumes were uh, that were set up in the urinals. The only way we could do that was pull them off the wall, connect the hose to the inlet, and then dummy up the, f- uh, the flushing system so that we could flush it and measure the water in a bucket. And to do that through a building is really crazy. And uh, we both looked at each other and said, well, there must be a better way to do it. Then I started exploring all... Well, where can we do that? Can we use a light or a buzzer that indicates something's not working correctly? Okay. Went back and tried to get that done. No, couldn't do it. Uh, we had to. We'd have to redesign the electronics. Okay. So that that was the start. So we started. That was the start. We started looking at the electronics and what we had to do. And then we came up with a, a urinal that was you could communicate uh, with using a uh, smart smartphone. Smartphone. Okay. So that was the that was the the first of the and at the time when we were doing it six seven years ago it was a new a really new thing it was IoT for IoT yeah. product and at that time yeah. what IoT product was what is that yeah for the people listening at home the IoT the Internet of Things which is um, I guess going to be even more relevant in the the future of whatever we do. Um, the, the way people become more connected is through the Internet of Things and it just means being able to um, use the internet to connect with whatever you're uh, using or consuming, I guess. On that, uh, as, as the world continues to accelerate into the future, there's talk of smart cities and the technological revolution that implements, as we said, the Internet of Things. What, what does the future hold, do you think, in, in the plumbing industry and the design of uh, products? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer of using the gravity to to, to um, uh, flush the system and operate the systems. Um, vacuum systems have got their place and they'll be used in varying, varying areas where there's, there's issues, but I think uh, overall the system will remain gravity. Um, may be assisted by some special technologies that will come. Yeah. I see the digitisation of, of, of the plumbing industry is going to be widespread. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get a lot of data coming from yeah. coming from the the, uh, the sensors that we'll be using throughout the plumbing system. Uh, from the data, we're going to make we'll be able to make you know, um, um, valued decisions on on valuable decisions on on things that we don't know about now, which is exciting, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think, it'll, as, you, as you mentioned before, it'll be IoT-led. So you'll have products that talk to each other. You'll have products that talk to, talk to the user. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to direct products. You'll be able to direct cleaning. You'll be able to direct maintenance from a plumbing side. There's a whole realm of things that we haven't been able to do before. So uh, it'll make us so, so much more efficient, so much more effective, uh, from the plumbing side, particularly, where you know what's going on, you don't have to go and troubleshoot something. You'll it'll you'll be told this is the issue, and you'll be able to fix it directly, yeah. rather than 
investigating it and pulling things off the walls like I was doing the urinals. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot smarter way of doing things. It's, so it makes the job better rather than having to do the, the, yeah. the, the bad side of, of, <laughs> of the maintenance. And just going back to the Smart Command uh, product for a little bit, is is there any anything else you could tell us about how how it works and uh, why it's going to be a, a, a valuable uh, introduction into any uh, commercial building around the country? Going back to the urinal, we had the urinal when I when we developed the urinal with them and, and to communicate back to the user uh, with using an iPhone, your iPhone or. or um, yeah, tablet, or whatever, tablet yeah. whatever. We then we then thought, well, okay, we've got this, but it's just it's really we, we it was really good stuff. But we thought, okay, well, why don't we extend that to the whole bar, whole bathroom, commercial bathroom, because this is yeah. where it was born. So then we we looked at the Invisi toilet, and we came up with a system of of. of um, Making that IoT and communicate communicate back into the the iPhone, and we looked at the basin, um, the um, the tap 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 were on the basin, making that smart and IoT. Then we had then we had the basis of a bathroom system. Okay. Then we set out working on that. It was released last. The, we released it last year. Those three products, um, and we've we've now moved on to others like a shut off valve and a shower, smart shower. They all communicate back you know exactly how much water each product's using it's coming through what it's coming through on onto a, a building management system so while we still use the use the smartphone or the tablet to set set the products up mm-hmm. then they commute they now talking to a gateway that's in the bathroom so it's that's wirelessly talking through Bluetooth Bluetooth to the gateway okay then from the gateway, it, that's communicating to a concentrator. So every bathroom's got a gateway, to, a gateway that communicates with with the concentrator, yeah. and that concentrator then feeds into a building management system and or the Chroma Cloud that we've developed uh, to service this if um, the, if the building hasn't got a building management system yeah. or. If, uh, the building manager wants to use our cloud, then that's that's uh, available. Okay. So you've got a total system now, whereas we're only having iPhone communication, then we broaden it out so it's whole of building. So the whole of building you can control. You can control flush volumes for some products remotely yeah. uh, through the building manager. So you can just put in what the, what the value is and, and send that through and you can change all the flush volumes throughout the building. Wow, and I I believe one of the biggest things I took out of that um, demonstration a few months back now was that uh, it's got a really big impact on maintenance as well. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that was one of the, it was born through the, through a maintenance issue. Uh, yeah. So yeah, when we did the urinal, we wanted to know what the volume what the vo- what the volume was what what. Um, um, how the how the product was functioning, whether there was any trouble, any issues with the solenoid valve, all this is communicated back to back to you uh, on your iPhone or the building manager. Yeah. So anything that affects the product's performance, the key things we we've got the urine will come back to us to tell us what what okay. the uh, issues are. And in regard to maintenance, is it um, with a system like that? Is it possible to sort of pinpoint? Okay, we've got you know a blockage in a pipe. Uh, on the third floor, and 
you know, a room, whatever, is it, is it have that level of um, uh, knowledge within the system to be able to. We're we're moving down. We're moving there, but at this point in time, we're only talking to them about the products. Okay. But even on the product, if if you got a like with the urinal, if there was a problem problem with the solenoid valve that operates the urinal, yep. then that would go. It could go back via the building management system to the to the plumber, yeah, and tell the plumber on level six, yeah. um, urinal three, uh, there's an issue with the with the solenoid valve. Okay. Then the plumber then could go to uh, the plumbing merchant and buy the part, yeah, go directly to the urinal, change it, and and get it right the first time rather than yeah. go back check it then go back. Maybe get the wrong part, then have to go back, uh, backwards and forwards, which is really inefficient, and they and they become more more efficient, be able to do more more work, and offer the customers, building the building managers a, a great service where okay. they, they they can identify and solve problems fast. Great. Before we started the recording today, uh, we had a little bit of a chat about CPD. I, I explained about how. Master Plumbers is trying to introduce a CPD program to its members and the wider plumbing community to help sort of keep up to speed with what's happening in the industry and keep yourself fresh. Um, I can imagine something like that up to a certain point uh, would become pretty valuable to you. Uh, What sort of things were you um, looking at to keep your uh, knowledge of what you uh, were doing uh, up to speed and just sort of maintaining your uh, position as a, a thought leader in the industry. Well, I'm, I'm regularly going overseas uh, to to industry ex- exhibitions, yeah. conferences, uh, and talking to overseas suppliers that have got got the knowledge and got knowledge of uh, yeah. the developments that are, that are in place uh, internationally. So I think I'm up right up to, up to speed with what's happening internationally. Yeah. Uh, and the the work don't underestimate the work that we're doing in Australia either. It's internationally competitive, and I think we're in the forefront as well. If I look at Smart Command, for example, I went to a, build, a um, light and building um, exhibition in Frankfurt, in Germany, a number of years okay. ago, yeah. where I looked at all the building management the, the building management direction. So I saw. How they saw the building manage, management systems of the future. Yeah. Uh, then I, I came back and applied that model to what we were doing, okay. uh, and uh, it's pretty much basically what you know. I, I've been back since, and, and we're right, we're exactly where they're go, going with the cloud-based system that I talked about before. Okay. So that would that influenced me uh, greatly, and I'm constantly doing that. So I'm looking for opportunities, what can we do, how can we be better, how can we be as good as them or better, uh, uh, rather than when I first started going where it was, uh, it was uh, that was so far in front of us in the, in the uh, 70s and 80s, it wasn't, it wasn't funny. Yeah. Is, is, is that changed? I, I'm, I'm going to take a guess and say that sort of changed over the years. Um, do you find people like at an international level coming back to Australia to see what we're doing and sort of using the knowledge of the people uh, here uh, to influence what they're doing uh, abroad? I, I, I see, because I'm, I'm talking to them, the suppliers yeah. and, and uh, international suppliers, suppliers. And I think we've got a, a respect in Australia for the, for what we do. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, there's a quality element of how we look at things. We like things to perform well, be able to be able to service well. Yeah. Uh, and that's general across the industry. I think the good the good guys in the industry are really really making good great products. Yeah, and I think that's that's taken up by the suppliers because they, they know that uh, it's difficult to come in with products that don't aren't competitive to the the products available here. Okay, and, and speaking of a, an international audience, you're you're scheduled to uh, speak at. Um, the World Plumbing Conference later in the year in September. Can you tell us about a little bit about what we can expect to hear uh, from yourself in the conference? Well, it's going to be around Smart Command. Uh, yeah. I think I'll, I'll drill down a little bit more into the, into the detail of Smart Command and what it can do, but I think this is a good introduction to what I'll be talking about in uh, at the conference. Um, okay. It'll be a Smart Command. And is there anything in particular you're looking to get out of uh, being a, a visitor to the the uh, conference? There's always uh, things I want to get out of it. I, I think association with our overseas visitors, uh, we're getting... Um, I, I've been contacted by uh, colleagues in Switzerland and around the world, the US particularly, uh, where they're coming. They're going to present as well, some of them. Yeah. Um, so... I think it's a coming together of all the experts in plumbing from around the world, which I think will be a fantastic thing for all of us when we um, when we get there. Fantastic. Dr Cummings, thank you very much for joining us on the show. It's been my pleasure, Daniel. Thank you. You've been listening to Master Plumbers Radio. Check out the Master Plumbers website at plumber.com.au or hit us up on email at podcast at plumber.com.au. You can also check us out on Facebook and Instagram.